Wow, it is uh, so good to be together and lift up the name of the Lord God Almighty, recognizing who He is and what it is that He has come to do for us. I want to give you a real quick update. Uh, Many of you who have been asking, uh, checking in uh, with me, um, uh, my wife, uh, the past couple of weeks, wanting to know how things are happening on uh, the grandbaby end. Um, happy to report that uh, this past week, grandchild number five showed up, uh, all pumped and excited that uh, Johnny came. Uh, what was really cool is that uh, here are the birthday twins. Uh, Mimi is sharing her birthday uh, with uh, Johnny Oliver, and so uh, a lot of, lot of fun and uh, laughter and, and excitement and just beauty uh, that God continues to, to shower down upon our family. And uh, we're so, so grateful. So all of you who have uh, continued to pray, uh, continue to just ask and to, to come up alongside and share uh, the joy uh, of our story. We thank you for that. I want to acknowledge and recognize that um, there are many people in today's world who don't um, get to experience maybe uh, the blessings such as that. For instance, there are some who uh, go through life uh, and uh, have actually uh, some challenges even related uh, to their family. And so I want to speak specifically to those of you uh, who are with us this morning that uh, are single parents. I want you to know that we know uh, that it's not always easy. My wife is uh, hanging out uh, with uh, our daughter and uh, her crew. Uh, She got there on Monday. She'll be there at least through Tuesday. And uh, even though she loves that whole experience, she's there also as just helping our daughter. Kind of help keep uh, Jerome and Eddie, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, together and and, uh, okay so that that Sam can stay up all night long uh, with Johnny, you know. And uh, just, uh, you know, of course, Luke is there and, and hanging out. But just to have an extra hand is an incredible help, uh, an incredible blessing. And for those of you who are single parents, you at times wish you had another hand to come up alongside and just help you out. And so here's what I want you to know. We can't do everything, and we, we may not be able to be there in the middle of the night But we want to be there, and we want you to know that we care, we see you, we love you. And so uh, those of you who are single parents, uh, I want to encourage you, please, stop by the Next Step Center on your way out of here today. Uh, Your church family wants to give you a gift. We've got a a Christmas card there uh, waiting for you. It's got $150 cash in it uh, just as uh, a a symbol that we we want to help you. We want a couple alongside. We recognize uh, the challenge. And, and so I want you to know that uh, you're not alone uh, and that we'll be there to help you in any way. And, and also, uh, if I could just go a step further, uh, please let us know how we could just pray for you as well. Never underestimate the fact that the uh, church family praying with you and for you uh, would also uh, strengthen you. You know, this, this season... Uh, is is upon us, and it's just so good to to be singing uh, songs uh, that that point us to the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, of course, uh, we've got things decorated. We're we're just anticipating an incredible celebration of Christmas. Uh, and Christmas is one of those times where we hear the question. Maybe when we were kids. 
depending on your life and your background, maybe you still hear the question. Perhaps you ask the question now. But simply, I want to ask you this question. What do you want for Christmas? I mean, some of us, when we were kids, we kind of wrote a letter, put it in the mail, and somebody took sure, made sure that it got to where it needed to go. Uh, but there are times in our life where, where we're asked the question, what do you want for Christmas? Now, chances are many of us are thinking it, but very few of us would actually settle for my two front teeth. Right? I mean, there's just so much more in life that you want. In fact, some of you right now, you're immediately thinking, man, what I want for Christmas is I would, I would give anything to see someone again. Uh, maybe some of you, what you want for Christmas is you want a healing. Maybe it was uh, not just a, a physical healing, but you would love to experience an emotional healing. Some of you, a, a, a relational healing. That, that when we start thinking about what it is that we want for Christmas, some of us can come up with a pretty good answer. In fact, the, the reality is that we've gone so much past that simply what we want for Christmas is the Red Rider carbine action 200-shot mid-range air rifle. We want something uh, that, uh, that, that only uh, it would fill that empty spot, take care of that wound, uh, resolve a problem or, or uh, help us in a certain challenge or obstacle in our life. You know, when we think about uh, this series, The Gift of Hope, uh, we want to, to lean in and, and see that, that we've been given a gift from our Heavenly Father. And we're, we're going to celebrate uh, just uh, what it is that, that took place that silent night. And, and the hope that we have received. But, but honestly, Christmas is also one of those times where it, it exacerbates this need for hope. Because too often when someone has asked us what do we want, we've responded and we didn't get it. And so we experience this disappointment. We experience this anxiety or perhaps this fear, even anger. And in our life, we are hopeful that uh, someone, something would respond in a way so that we might get exactly uh, what we're looking for. But... We continue to move through uh, the Christmas season and uh, we've got these hopes that we want to pour out and, and quite often we're hoping that better days are coming. It's this idea that, you know what, things are tough now, but, but after the surgery, it, it'll all be better. Things are tough now, but once the weather changes, uh, it'll be so much better. But things are tough now, uh, but as soon as we finish the degree, as soon as the schedule lightens up a little bit, as soon as things slow down, it, it'll all be better. Thing, things are hard now, but as soon as, as soon as I get the new job, as soon as the bonus check arrives, 
everything will be better. But sometimes all we get when the day arrives is nothing but jelly of the month club. And even though it's the gift that keeps on giving, it ain't what we were hoping for by any stretch of the imagination. And so what do we do? How do we lean in? And how do we recognize that um, we want certain things and sometimes we get certain things, but yet it's not anything that we had hoped for? I mean, uh, in a couple of weeks after Christmas, uh, a look at the line that's waiting at the return desk will be more than enough to convince us we are a tough people to please. Tough. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of us have ever returned a gift, not because it was the wrong size, but it was wrong altogether? I mean, it's this idea like, I don't know. You know, in fact, this whole deal of like giving people what they want and the expectation of making sure that we come through, even for the gift giver. Again, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have wrapped a gift, put the gift receipt inside the gift, and even after they opened it, we might have said something like, you know, and if that's not what you want, go ahead and return it and get what you want. Oh, man, that happens a lot. You see, we have in this mindset that we're going to give things what, to people what they're looking for, what they want. You know, they've all got these hopes and these dreams, but yet sometimes it just doesn't pan out. And so this Christmas season, especially today, I, I want you to, to realize that your experience of joy is directly linked to where you place your hope. Some of you need to write that down because it will give you such freedom. It will also help you recognize uh, where it is that you've been placing your hope. Your experience of joy is directly linked to where you place your hope. Because if you put your hope in the things that that can't handle the weight of this world, you're going to inevitably experience disappointment. If the things that you're hoping for don't actually pan out, you're going to experience anxiety. It's going to cause anger in your life to some degree, depending on what your response mechanism might be. Perhaps it's sadness. But if you put your hope in the right place, if you're willing to drop anchor in that place that's unshakable, then you will experience a joy that doesn't fade, a peace that cannot be threatened, an outlook that isn't tied to your circumstances. And so this morning as we launch into the Christmas story, I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and open it up to Luke chapter 2. Now here's the deal, is that um, if you... Uh, have been just paying attention to life up to this point, chances are you have heard bits and pieces of the Christmas story before. And depending on your background, uh, you may have heard the Christmas story in a setting much like this year after year after year. But here's what I want to encourage all of us. Every one of us, even though no matter how many times we've heard the story, no matter how familiar we might feel as if like we understand, I want to encourage all of us to just 
uh, approach this story for the very first time, if at all possible, with fresh eyes. Step into a spirit of humility that says, Lord, teach me something new. Lord, show me uh, what it is that you want me to see that, that perhaps I have missed all along. Because if we'll be willing to, to just let the words of Scripture and the promise that we have in this occasion that you and I call Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, it will transform your life. So Luke chapter 2, it opens up with the story of Joseph and Mary. They travel to Bethlehem. Uh, And while they're there in Bethlehem, they're staying in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. Uh, At the birth of Jesus takes place. Uh, We find out that uh, nearby out in the fields, there are some shepherds who are tending to their flocks. And some angels come and, and speak to these shepherds. It's a familiar uh, proclamation for many of you. But again, act as if like you've just never heard these words before. And in Luke chapter 10, we're going to pick up the story in verse, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. We read these words. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I mean, these these shepherds, they're out in the the fields. Uh, This bright light shows up. The presence of of these angels is there. And they give this proclamation. Man, good news. We've got great news. It's going to cause incredible joy for you. And then they share about what they had been promised to them centuries ago. A Messiah would come. He is Christ the Lord. And this birth, the angels promise, will bring peace Across the land. Now, if you and I will look beyond the lights, the tinsel, and even the sounds of the holidays, there's a good chance that we will see in the world around us, there is tons of reason for us to ask, where's the peace that was promised? Where is the peace that was going to come to all mankind. I mean, we can see that there's armed conflict between nations that continues ever since before and after this proclamation. We see interpersonal strife. Is, uh, it's ever-present in our world today. And it's not just with those who are on the other side of the political aisle from us. And it's not just those who are of different race than us. I mean, there is this interpersonal strife. There is this conflict that continues to show up within our own families and even with our loved ones. And so the angels, they proclaimed that this good news was a reason for joy. 
And we have to recognize that they're proclaiming that it is an unchanging message in an ever-changing world. It's a message of hope in and for a troubled world. It's a message for the people of God who for now must live in such a world but are not of this world. You see, the, for centuries, the nation of Israel was waiting. They were waiting for the Messiah. And just, you know, the Messiah is, is a word that, that, used, uh, that means the promised one. And throughout the Old Testament scripture, they would continue to speak about one who would come in the line of David, the greatest king in the nation of Israel, who would come and help redeem or rescue, deliver the nation of Israel. The prophet Isaiah says these words in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for to us a child is born. I mean, we've seen these words on so many Christmas cards, have we not? This child, it's a son who's given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Again, this word about peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I mean, the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of these words in the prophet of Isaiah. And very few people, even though they knew the words, they knew this message, when Jesus came, very few people recognized that the fulfillment had come. They didn't recognize that Jesus was the answer of what they had been looking for. And might I just say that many in today's world do the same. We don't recognize that Jesus is exactly what we're looking for. You see, Jesus was born into this world that was dominated by the Roman Empire. The Romans, they protected and they governed these individual provinces, these territories of lands, such as Judea, which is where Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Galilee, other areas uh, resided within uh, the region. It's also where the nation of Israel made home. This is where they lived, and this is where uh, they continued to, to follow God. But, but yet, uh, they were looking for the Messiah to come. Because the Roman rule would permit these individual provinces uh, to exist, uh, to make uh, and administer their own laws, even allow them to set up their own kings, as long as they accepted the Roman taxation, as well as the Roman military control. And so it was kind of as if, like, as long as you follow us, as long as you at least pay us, as long as you submit to us, we're going to leave you alone, and you can have peace. But this world that they lived in was devoid of real, lasting, true peace. And so they longed for the one to come. One who was like King David. One who would liberate them once and for all. And in their hope for a Messiah, uh, 
what had happened is that the people of God, the followers of Jesus even in the New Testament, they misplaced their hope. Uh, They thought that for sure Jesus was going to bring about this new government. He was going to show up big and strong and he was going to liberate them and he was going to kind of like do unto Rome what Rome had done unto them. They had gotten off track. I want to offer to you this morning that Jesus did not bring peace to the world simply by being born as a baby. You see, the, the angels told the shepherds, it will bring peace. But it doesn't happen just because the baby is born. Uh, there's so much more that is going on uh, in the story of Jesus. In fact, it, if anything, someone could argue that the birth of Jesus doesn't bring peace. Instead, King Herod tries to kind of like hold on to rid the threat that is coming at his kingdom, and he orders the death of all boys two years and younger. The birth of Jesus causes that to happen. That does not sound like peace at all. And and as Jesus grows into this man, and, and he's gaining disciples and then they're following him and again the disciples continue to ask over and over are you going to restore your kingdom I mean they would say hey when you step into your kingdom I want to be your number one number two guy I mean they were all positioning that Jesus would show up and and he would again elevate the nation of Israel and really kind of just like do away with Roman rule And, and Jesus continued to show them guys What you're expecting and what you're hoping that will happen, I'm I'm not about that at all. Because Jesus made it clear that that he had come uh, to really teach what it meant to submit and obey those who are in authority. I didn't like that idea. He didn't come and say, hey, now we're going to line up and we're going to show them what we're made of. But instead... The birth of Jesus, it's just the beginning. It's just the part of his story. And there's something that takes place about this piece that we need to recognize. So let's go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And and let's look again at what the angels say about the peace. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Sometimes... We, we read what Scripture says, or someone else reads what Scripture says, and then over time we kind of refigure the words, and we think that what this means is peace on earth and goodwill to all men. That's what we think this message is, and that is not what the angels declared. What does it mean that peace will only come for those on whom God's favor rests? When does God have favorites? Does he play favorites? Does God kind of only just pick and choose who actually will get to experience peace? What's going on here in this offer of peace that you and I maybe sometimes miss and we've got to recognize? You see, the Israelites in the Old Testament, when we read about the giving of the law, uh, they were... They were experiencing so many laws. It was over 613 written laws that they were supposed to obey. 
And then beyond that, there was hundreds of these traditions, these oral traditions that were passed down. And the idea was that you had to follow and obey all of them. But here's the deal, and all of us recognize this. We can't follow that many rules. We can't obey all of those laws. In fact, we've found out just one law is too many for us to always obey, to always follow. And so uh, there was no way that, that mankind could meet God's standard for holiness and righteousness. And so God resolves that problem, and he sent his son to be in our place, to be the one who is perfect, and to be the one who would accomplish what you and I couldn't accomplish. You see, throughout his ministry, Jesus taught what living in his kingdom looked like. And so he would say, follow me. Put your faith in me. Trust in what it is that he had accomplished on our behalf. Follow him and submit to him as our Lord and our Savior. Because there is an incredible promise that Jesus offers to those who do. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. There's our word again. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus is making a promise to you. Uh, and to me, and to all, that this world is full of trouble. But peace can be found because he has already overcome the world. What an incredible promise that's been given to us. And so peace doesn't come uh, to the world through a baby. Instead, it comes because the only man to overcome the world made it possible and died on our behalf. And so I would say, peace, Jesus brought peace by dying on the cross. It it was his death on the cross, not his birth as a baby, that brings peace. And in him, we have the gift of life. You see, Jesus bore the weight of the world's sin. He paid the price of your sin and mine. And nowhere in Scripture does uh, do we find Anything that says that we should remember the birth of Jesus every year. Nowhere does Jesus say in the Gospels, nowhere does Paul write, hey, throw Jesus a birthday party every year. It's not there. But what we do have is Jesus telling his disciples in the upper room just before he goes to the cross on our behalf. He says, hey, guys, every time you drink this cup, You're doing it in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of what it is that I accomplished. He said, this is the new covenant. He's talking about spilling his blood on our behalf. And he tells us to do it again and again. He's telling us to remember his death and his sacrifice. Nowhere does scripture tell us that we should celebrate his birth over and over and over again. But it does tell us. We need to celebrate, recognize, and remember his death over and over and over again. That's where peace is found. Now, before anyone sends me an email this week uh, calling me like the spiritual Scrooge, 
and that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. I'm all for celebrating Christmas. And, and, and I think that it's important for us to recognize that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and he came uh, to love and, and to secure us. Uh, and it is an incredible gift. And he brings this joy and this life into our lives. And so may we recognize that the gift of hope was given to every one of us. I love the way the Hebrew writer puts it in Hebrews 10. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. You know, this hope in Jesus, this hope that even though life doesn't work out the way that we wanted, that we still have this gift that we can lay claim to, that we can uh, find comfort in and real joy. And so just to kind of maybe help us get to the point where we're really paying attention to what God wants us to see, let me just ask the question one more time. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want? To to borrow some theology from the Rolling Stones, let me just say, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, well, you just might find you get what you need. I don't know what your Jelly of the Month Club is. Maybe it's a marriage that is far less than what you expected. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you never imagined. Maybe it's a child that has denied the faith even though you raised them according to God's word. Maybe it's a miscarriage, infertility. Maybe it's the loss of someone that you love deeply, and it's not exactly what you ever imagined God doing in your life. Uh, The truth is, more than likely, we've all wanted something, but we didn't get it. And that's why we need to remember that our experience of joy is directly linked to where we place our hope. Who are we placing our hope in? Where are we placing our trust? What is it that we're looking for the Lord to accomplish? Because there's always going to be trouble in this world. But Jesus has overcome it. And so this morning, I want you just to, to recognize that peace can be found when your hope is in Jesus. Too often, faithful believers, well-intentioned Christians, are trusting for God to respond to a prayer, and all of their hope is in the response and not in the one who hears the prayer. May we trust in Jesus. May we place our hope in Jesus. You see, he was in the boat during your storm, and he will continue to walk with you, and he will continue to tell you to cast your cares upon him and let him carry them for you. Peace can be found when your hope is in Jesus. Because now more than ever, it's time that we recognize that only Jesus is truly the gift that keeps on giving. And he gives it to us freely if we'll be willing to receive it. My prayer is you'll receive Jesus 
choose him, that you'll align your life and say, Lord, I'm submitting to you. I'm calling you my Lord and Savior. I'm responding to you in faith. And allow the peace that has come in the form of Jesus Christ cover your sin, cover your life, and give you hope that will never fade. Pray with me. Lord God, we are grateful for your love. Grateful for this gift of hope, Jesus Christ, who came to, to uh, show us that um, we are not forgotten, that we are not cast aside, that we are loved by you. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning that whoever might be wanting so much more, I pray, Lord, that, that your spirit would open their eyes to who Jesus is. And what it is that he has offered to them in his death, his burial, and thankfully his resurrection. Lord, may you be pleased and honored. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship and recognize this King of kings and Lord of lords that has been given to us.